Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. All right, welcome to episode two of Grow Bud Yourself, where you get your cannabis cultivation information. This episode has a special interview with our guest, Jason from Dark Horse Genetics, tons of product giveaways, strain of the fortnight, grow information about environmental control, and much, much more. So stick around for Grow Bud Yourself, episode two. All right, and here we are once again with episode number two of Grow Bud Yourself. Back again. It's nice. Right. This is a, this feels uh, vaguely familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like this weekly schedule. I like uh, you know timely shows. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think people probably appreciate that also, as opposed to us just kind of doing it when we uh, feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've got a lot of uh, cool ideas for, for future shows as well. So we're excited. Uh, this is Grow Bud Yourself, episode number two. Uh, we got some great grow information. We got some, uh, a great interview uh, with our guest, uh, Jason from Dark Horse Genetics. And, uh, you know, Strain of the Fortnite <laughs> makes its first GBY appearance. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. We had such a great reaction to... Uh, Episode one, a lot of people shared it, a lot of uh, feedback. Yeah, uh, no, episode one, uh, it was really exciting to be back. But one thing that people have pointed out to me, which I didn't even realize when we were doing it, is that for whatever reason, uh, we never actually introduced ourselves on that entire episode. <laughs> and I, wow. I, imagine, I imagine it's because we had done the other show for so long, nine years, that right. we didn't really feel the need, but this being a new show and probably having some new listeners, we, we really should have maybe uh, told people who we are. Yeah, who, well... Who are you? <laughs> I am the artist formerly known as Danny Danko. And uh, currently. And currently, I guess, yeah. Um, formerly with High Times Magazine for 18 years. Uh, prior to that, you know, just part of uh, Headcase Hemp Hats. Uh, and, you know, cultivation is my sort of area... Uh, of study and uh, wrote a couple of books, uh, one in 2011 called The Official High Times Field Guide to Marijuana Strains and one uh, in 2018 called Cannabis, A Beginner's Guide to Growing Marijuana. <laughs> All right, very good. That's yes, that, what about you, Mike? That was a very detailed bio. Um, <laughs> I, I was just going to be like, I'm Mike G and that's Danny Danko. But yes, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Mike G and I, I also uh, at one point uh, was with High Times for a period of 14 years and, uh, and was editor-in-chief until, um, until that ended. But now we do this, and uh, we are sort of long-time uh, podcasters. We started um, our old show, which was called Free Weed, in 2011, and now we're doing Grow Bud Yourself. So that's Danny Danko. I'm Mike G, and uh, welcome to Grow Bud Yourself. Yeah, welcome. And uh, we do appreciate the support. We're independent now. Um, Grow Bud Yourself is... Just me and Mike, uh, we're the owners of the show, and, and uh, we definitely appreciate all the support from sponsors and from Patreon followers and everybody who's downloading the episodes and participating in you know the different giveaways. It's 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 awesome and it's great to see. And I'm glad uh, you guys are out there, you know, 
thirsty for information about cultivation because uh, I think, you know, we're all stuck at home these days and, and why not get yourself a grow tent and get, get started. Um, if you're interested in, uh, you know, participating in the show, uh, you know, uh, more than just listening to the show, but actually like participating in the community of the show, uh, check out Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Danny Danko. Yeah, absolutely. You should do that. And uh, you should also get in touch with us if you'd like. Uh, you could always email us. We're info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, we're also on the, the Twitter and the Instagram. Um, the show uh, across socials is at growbudyourself. Uh, so you mentioned that we, we primarily, we talk a lot about cultivation here, but, but we also, uh, we do interviews. Um, we get into cannabis culture. And the other thing that we, we do uh, is the news. We like to talk about the news. However, um, this global pandemic, I don't know if you've heard about this, uh, <laughs> kind of interfered with a little bit of the news that we have to talk about. But maybe, maybe we can give listeners a little taste of, of a news segment on Grow Bud Yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's talk about what's going on. Yeah, well, since that is the uh, primary story in the world right now, maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, what the coronavirus is doing to the cannabis industry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's, let's, let's get into it. I think it's very interesting. I think, uh, you know, just from my perspective, it looks like, you know, some places it's deemed essential, some places it isn't, some places there's medical and there's no rec, some places there's nothing at all, just uh, traditional, you know, what they call the black market, but what we just call the you know, traditional market. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of all over the place, depending on where you happen to live. No, for sure. In, uh, in New York, where we live, uh, Rolling Stone is reporting <laughs> that... It was uh, our friend Mary Jane, Mary Jane from the Weed and Grub podcast. Right, yes. Uh, wrote for Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. Yeah, that, that basically consumption, uh, as, as we know, just living here, has uh, spiked in New York during the, uh, the pandemic. And that um, transactions are still going on. Of course, now people do that wearing gloves and masks and uh, protective gear, which is kind of funny to think about. But, you know, you got to <laughs> do what you got to do and you have to get your cannabis. Um, and the other thing that, that was interesting in that article is that uh, we're seeing more people take on selling cannabis uh, because maybe they've lost their job because of the pandemic. They're trying to make a little extra money on the side. So uh, that's become a way for people to raise a little extra uh, money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But, you know, across the states, I, I think we, we hit on it a little bit in the first episode, but most uh, U.S. states declared cannabis um, an essential good, basically like groceries, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did the same with alcohol. And I think, you know, they just don't want people freaking out. You know what I mean? I think if yeah. there's... You know, certain people who they just, you know, they're not going to stand for not having certain things. And I, uh, it is, it is a welcome change though, because, uh, you know, I think it can help people cope with, you know, being cooped up and, and it's helped me certainly for sure in just dealing with, uh, you know, the lockdown and, and being anxiety and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you start thinking about boredom, boredom, all of it. Yeah. So yeah, it's helped a lot. No, for sure. And obviously, this is the first time that a legal cannabis industry has existed during a pandemic or an emergency. So uh, sales numbers are really interesting to people. And what uh, is being reported is that 
when uh, this was first declared an emergency, sales went off the charts. Um, they were 64% up uh, in, middle, in the middle of March. Right. But then people since then, right. right, people were stocking up. But then mm-hmm. since they stocked up, those sales have started to dip a little bit. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. In Washington State, uh, they hit a record for sales at $106 million for the month of April. And in uh, newly legal Illinois, they, they also have hit a record. Uh, they sold $37.2 million worth of cannabis in April. So that's the good news. The bad news is that in some states uh, like Nevada that relies so heavily on tourism and uh, out-of-state out of people buying cannabis, their sales are are way down. And uh, there are some businesses there that are probably in a bit of trouble right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's because like you said, they're relying on, on people that come, come from someplace else and that's just not happening. Yeah, for sure. And interestingly, edibles have seen the biggest increase of all uh, different consumption types. Edibles are, uh, have been up over 10% in sales during the pandemic. People are buying that more than ever before. Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense, though, because people are, you know, concerned about their lungs and, and smoking and vaping and what effect that may have. Uh, and I think, you know, the edible thing, they just, it, it's an easy way uh, to catch a buzz without having to worry at all about, uh, you know, potential damage that you might do to you know, your respiratory system at a time when people are, are concerned about their respiratory system. So. Yes. And, uh, and speaking of edibles, uh, this is an interesting trend. Uh, there's, there's sort of an increase in cannabis-based beverages. So Canopy has gotten into that with uh, their uh, work with Constellation Brands. And uh, our good friend, Seth Rogen, uh, his company is putting out its own cannabis drink. So yeah, what's interesting about uh, those types of edibles um, that are made with distillates is I find that they come on strong and don't last as long as the kind that are made from, let's say, butter or oil, which seem to take longer to hit, hit me, but then last a, a bit longer as well. So it's interesting. The drinks, um, there's, there's some great ones. Yeah, there really are. We've been fortunate enough to test a few of those at different events over the years. Um, and yeah, it's a, good, it's a different kind of thing. But um, uh, Seth Rogen, who, uh, who is behind Houseplant and is also working with Canopy, um, he has a new drink. It's a grapefruit sparkling water, and it's got 2.5 milligrams of THC uh, per can, and that's going to be coming out um, in the next couple of weeks. And I mean, that's, uh, that's a microdose. I would that is a microdose. Well. So this is this is the problem because because it's a cannabis um, item. It's limited. Uh, you're limited to buying 30 grams or less at a time. So uh, if you have five grams of dried flour in one can that's going to add up pretty quickly right right but anyway all right so that's a little bit of what's going on in the world of weed right now as you tune in to grow bud yourself in the future we're going to have more uh news stories for you on top of our normal great cultivation content absolutely we want to you know keep people posted on what's going on in a timely manner and teach them how to grow and uh yeah so we will be back uh, after this brief message with our interview with Jason from Dark Horse Genetics, discussing uh, breeding, growing, and much more. Hey, you guys, if you're in the market for a vaping device or a lot of other things, check out vapor.com. 
They have all kinds of cannabis consumption products for your vaping needs. And you can get 15% off with our special coupon code, GBY. So when you're checking out, you just use code GBY and you get 15% off everything on the site. They have incredible vaporizers, volcanoes. They have Puffco Peaks. They've got Da Vinci's, Dr. Dabbers. They even have uh, the PAX bundle, CBD products, tons of incredible stuff. And if you're into dabs, they've got pipes, rigs, and all kinds of parts and materials. So please check out vapor.com and use our special code GBY for 15% off. All right, we are back and we are so excited to have with us on this episode number two of Grow Bud Yourself, Jason from Dark Horse Genetics. Welcome, Jason. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Episode two, that's really cool. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you. I've uh, been a f- big fan of your work for years. Obviously, you know, the Bruce Banner number three or Bruce Banner three, uh, we had in high times as, uh, you know, the, the strongest strain on earth back in 2014. Um, my colleague Nico, you know, tested that, I think, at a cannabis cup. And we, we had never seen anything like that around 28%, 28.35, I believe, at the time. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, that led to, uh, Bruce Banner being picked by me as uh, one of our top 25 strains of all time, uh, just because A, you know, it hits hard and B, it tastes great and is just, you know, amazing. Uh, but, you know, you're known for other strains than, than that as well. So um, why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got interested in cannabis to begin with and sure. how, how this became part of your career path? Sure. So just real quickly touching on the, you know, the strongest strain on earth and everything you kind of just mentioned there, like you certainly changed my life, like change what happened there with that strain and the high times picking up on it and then, you know, making it strongest strain on earth with it wasn't strongest strain on earth. I have no idea where I'd be right now because that significantly changed the course of my life from that moment forward. Um, I think that was what brought me the ability to get investors and made people take a little bit of note so it, it, it's, it was like a springboard for me to move forward. Um, it was, yeah, like I say, but, uh, to go backwards a little bit of my, you know, my journey through cannabis a little bit. Um, yeah, I was not like a, I wouldn't say I was like a typical stoner or anything in high school. Like I was a jock, a pretty serious athlete, very competitive. So I didn't really mess around with cannabis too much until about midway through my teens, I actually got kicked out of high school um about my sophomore year for actually computer hacking i changed all my grades like ferris bueller i was able to <laughs> log in and literally change all of my grades so they expelled me from school from there and that was the end of my athletic career so when my athletic career was sort of over um at a young age i sort of went to cannabis and started experimenting with that in lieu of alcohol i think and uh yeah that was the early days and that was just beasters smoking horrible beasters um, you know, and, uh, which led me to growing cannabis. Cause I was just sort of like, you know, this, this herb is not very good. Let's we'll, we'll see what I can do to, you know, produce better herb for even better prices and whatnot. So I recall, you know, getting a high times magazine and seeing an article in the back, a C22 cabinet from mills, um, from the home Depot section. I'm not sure if you remember the article it was a long time ago, but it was how to turn <laughs> a, turn a cabinet into a grow room. So I literally followed that article step by step and built a small 400 watt little cabinet and started growing seeds that I would, you know, get from Amsterdam at the time 
and uh, just sort of learned how to cultivate plants in a really small micro setting. And when I think about it now, where we have a licensed facilities and hundreds of thousands of plants, um, mega square footage and everything else going on, is just sort of like, wow, that's quite the, quite the uh, transition from starting in a cabinet to here. But uh, yeah, that's sort of that's sort of been my journey as, as to how I got into cannabis. But um, I don't know if you want to talk specific strains specifically, like Bruce Banner, the creation of that, or or where you want to go. Yeah, well, I mean, I think first off, what about you know what what sort of strains were you growing before you started breeding? So the 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 big debate is always fem versus regular seed, right? Like, should I get a fem seed or should I get a regular seed? And a lot of new growers will will lean towards the fems because they don't they're not confident in their ability to sex plants. So like, look, I'll just get feminized seeds. So I know for a fact I, I'm going to have some bud to smoke. Um, so I was right there with them. And I went and I remember I bought from Gypsy Nirvana, AK-47 times, I think green crack or no times uh, AK-47. And it was feminized and I grew it at home in that cabinet and I royally screwed it up. I remember I sprayed it every day with a spray bottle because I thought I was like misting the buds and making it a <laughs> rainforest environment. And then when we cut it down and smoked it, it tasted like a wet dish rag and I destroyed it. But I'm glad that I started it with the feminized seeds to kind of work my way up to learn a little bit about how a plant grows. And then I learned what Hermes are, intersex traits are. And then I went on to regular seeds. See, my theory was I'm going to buy cheap garbage seeds until I learn how to grow well. And then I'm going to spend the high dollar on the stuff I see online when I know I can do it right. So um, after I kind of figured out, I'm going to cut my teeth a little bit on the, on the earlier stuff. I remember I bought Soma's NYC diesel because everyone was after the the diesel at that time. And that really was the first time that I grew cannabis that like people sort of took note, like it smelled so bad that you couldn't take it anywhere. And you sort of started to get famous around town for having the good weed when you don't really want to be famous at that time. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. So it was a lot of diesels, a lot of cushions. Um, I remember I got the OG Kush clone in 2004 or so, somewhere in there, I want to say. Um, yeah, my dates are always wrong, so don't hold me to my dates. But I got the OG Kush clone, and um, that was a game changer for me because we had the sour diesel clone, we had the OG Kush clone, and when I got that, I was just like, "Wow, I'm really into these Kushes and these these uh, diesels and that kind of terpene profile." So I stuck to that line, and then I went up and got strawberry diesel seeds, and that was what led me to the creation of Bruce Banner. And I wouldn't call myself a breeder at the time, but I knew what I was doing. I was, you know, I was like, "Look, I got these strawberry diesel seeds. I've got this OG Kush." I'm going to try to mix these together and pair these together and see what comes out. My holy grail was going to be some sort of strawberry OG. And that's what I was going for. So we created the Bruce Banner. Um, basically, or I created the Bruce Banner basically in college um, at a time when you didn't really tell anybody what you're doing at all. And I went to college and, you know, self-financed my way through the entire thing, basically dabbling in creating strains or self-hobby breeding projects and, you know, a little bit of you know, product to get by. So yeah, at that time I essentially was living in a cabin in the woods almost by myself, talked to nobody like a hermit Unabomber style and <laughs> did my thing. And as I was coming out of college, it was 2009 and uh, that's when, you know, the recession slash cannabis legalization movement came on very strong. I'm originally, I was born in Iowa, but I moved to Denver, Colorado at a young age, kindergarten. Then I went to college in Montana. So I headed back to Denver, which I call home. And that's when all the cannabis stuff kicked off. And I was like, look, I could, I could do a store. I could do a grow. I'm not sure what I want to do, but I, I settled on doing a store. So after doing a store from 2009 to 2010, that really allowed me to see all different kinds of cannabis. Like I saw every strain in the world come through the doors. 
we ran it like Pawn Stars, where it was a consignment shop. At that time, it was Wild West. So you just brought me your cannabis. I took a look at it. If it was good enough, I'd put it on the shelf. Um, and then uh, that morphed into, you know, the 70-30 or vertical integration where you have to grow your own. But uh, I, like many other people in 2011 or so, when they created a shotgun marriage situation where they made all the grows and dispensaries partner up, within 90 days, I kind of got screwed over and I went home and I was sort of, you know, pissed off about cannabis and everything else. But I had the strain Bruce Banner, which had all this push around it and everything else. And that's really what got me into being serious about breeding. Because I was looking for an avenue to do something within cannabis, but I was kind of burned out on retail. And I thought, you know, i I can do this. So I've created a dozen or so strains since then that uh, we brought to market. And I would say, yeah, my experience leading up to being a breeder was everything from personal grow to running a store to running a commercial grow to then deciding to become a breeder and try to put strains together. Wow. That's awesome. And uh, so then uh, Bruce Banner became somewhat well-known, I would imagine like, uh, just on that circuit, probably just mostly in Colorado. Yeah, the interesting thing about Banner was is um, I never named it Bruce Banner. I think the name is a lot that pushes the strain, but I never named it Bruce Banner. I was a big like string cheese incident fan. I was a hippie burn a burnout up at uh, Horning's Hideout, and I remember meeting a friend up there from Texas who brought another friend of his with them, and he just kept calling me Bruce Banner all weekend because my last name is Hulk. So he's like, hey, where's that Bruce Banner weed? You got that Bruce Banner weed? And I was passing it out. And that's when it became the Bruce Banner. So shortly after, I moved to Denver. And I had this strain called Bruce Banner that I knew was good. But I didn't really know how good it was um, in comparison to, you know, when you're a private home grower living in a cabin in the woods, you think your stuff's good. But I didn't go to, you know, mass cannabis gatherings and pair my stuff with anybody. So I went back to Colorado and started the dispensary up. And uh, it didn't take long before the Bruce Banner started selling out. People were talking about it. And then we had to limit the strain because we would sell a quarter, I believe. Every, every other Friday, we would sell the Bruce Banner on Broadway in Denver, Colorado. We'd release it. And it was, it's sort of like Jungle Boys maybe today when you see on Instagram, they have like a line going down the block or whatever. That was the first line that I'd ever seen. But this was also in a time when cannabis wasn't fully out there. Like this was sort of gray still. We were just running a medical club under caregiver rules. So I walked up to the shop and there was a line spanning down the block and made me nervous. So I was like, I don't want press here, media here, anyone here asking why lines breed lines. So while it was cool, I was freaked out. But uh, that built the lore of Bruce Banner where people are like, there's this strain, it's in Denver, you can only get it every other Friday, you got to line up, you can get there at six in the morning with a lawn chair. And we were the only guys that had it because obviously it was a creation of mine. So we held it tight for a couple of years and had that line going like crazy. And that built the lore as well as like, again, when it became high time, stronger strain on earth, um, that just things went bananas, like absolutely bananas. So yeah, a lot of credit to you to pushing it over. It was famous in Colorado, but I think high times pushed it over, you know, over the edge. Right. Well, I got to give credit to Nico too, because he's the one that did all that lab testing and stuff. Uh, I just smoked it and loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you mentioned the names. Uh, and, and, you know, it is important, like with the names and you guys, you have some incredible names to these strains. I'm just looking at the list, Thanos, Conjugal Visit, Roy Rage, I mean, Kim Jong-un, Stockton Slap, like these are great names and I'm sure there's like a story behind every one of them. You see a a reference of comic books quite a bit in my stuff or whatever. (laughs) And you see that I was a comic book fan growing up or whatever. And I, I, 
up until recently, every single strain name I did was an inside joke to me or one of my <laughs> close friends. I knew like, it all meant something to me. And it was a for somebody or about something or a situation that I went through or something else like that. So they're all very personal to me. And I haven't revealed to most people what they are. Most people don't know what the what the secret meaning behind a lot of these names are. And some of them are just pure, simple. Thanos is Roy Rage, mm-hmm. Conjugal Visit. That's funny to me. So I was <laughs> like, we're going to use those. But uh, yeah, names are crazy because names can get you in trouble real fast. And names can also, a bad name, your, your strain kind of just sits on the shelf in my opinion. But a great name, it flies. And uh, if you cross some boundaries with your name, you'll get cease and desist from uh, large corporations. Oh yeah, we've seen it happen uh, <laughs> <laughs> over and over. We, you know, we come out of the underground, so we don't really expect. <laughs> we don't even expect like the real world to have any sort of views on us or any kind of. You know, I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> we that, we then, parody like, things all the time, so right. like I don't know what that what that is about, but it's something with our culture where we just parody <laughs> the fuck out of everything at all times. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's gotten some people in trouble before, certainly. Right. Well, along with your seed catalog, you also have um, flowers and clones available, like in, I guess, in Colorado. Um, Yes. So we have an operation in Colorado, the licensed grow facility and MIP lab in Colorado. Um, We make seeds and manufacturing within the metric system for Colorado. So uh, our seeds are for sale on the shelves in all of Colorado. Colorado's my home, sort of where I focus. We also have operations in Spain that does international seed stuff for us. So we're all over the world. But in the state of Colorado, you can purchase our flower. Um, And we do sell clones, but generally not to the public. It generally goes to other nurseries or other grows to do their farms or whatever it may be, something like that. We may get into retail clones, but I've done that in the past. And it's really hard to keep a clone sexy on the shelf after people touch it, you know, and or keep it away from them for a week or something. The clone generally doesn't, doesn't look as good as it was when I dropped it off. Well, now, if people want to purchase seeds from you, what's the best place? I mean, I, uh, there's probably a lot, but what, you know. Sure, there's what? tons all over the place. And I, I love that question and I hate that question at the same time because I feel like I'm going to leave out of vendors and be like, bro, you didn't, you didn't drop my name on there or whatever. So, but I would say we are a little bit of everywhere in the United States. The bigger ones, uh, Neptune, Oregon Elite, uh, the Seed Bazaar has our stuff too. Seed Bazaar is one that I work with a lot. Um, and European uh, or international, check out Pure Sativa. And he can direct you towards anybody. Attitude Seed Bank, one of the largest seed banks in the world. Um, but generally, I think we're on like 100 seed banks. So if you Google us, you'll sort of find us, someone closest to you. Um, and uh, yeah, let us know uh, your experience uh, with certain seed banks. And uh, we try to keep the list to uh, quality vendors. That's awesome. Uh, you also do a podcast, right? Every Wednesday. <laughs> I just started, man. I'm following your footsteps. <laughs> That's it's, awesome. It's really hard, actually. I shouldn't say really hard, but it looks easy, right? That's what I've always thought when I see people doing podcasts and everything else. I was like, oh, this is easy. Like, just get on there and gab for an hour or whatever. But like, to do a show every Wednesday or bi-weekly or something and try to put out creative content or educational content or something people want to watch, I find to be much harder than I thought it would be. And I have way more respect for the guys that did podcasts long <laughs> ago. I mean your free weed podcast, what was that, 2010 or 11 or something you started? Like, it was the beginning of podcasts, man. So <laughs> you certainly did years and years of podcasts. So I, I'm just learning. But yeah, every Wednesday night, um, uh, Dark Horse Live, we have it on simulcast on YouTube, on Twitch, on IG Live in there. Um, so yeah, you can check us out somewhere, anywhere on there. Now, what about for growers? Um, if they're buying a pack of seeds from from you, what, what, do you, what, what recommendations would you give them as far as you know, getting the, the most out of it. Like, do you, are you a soil guy, a hydro guy? Sure. Yeah. 
a um, couple of grill tips that I'm happy to throw in there for when growing my stuff. So listen, don't stress the fuck out of these plants. I know a lot of these nutrient companies want you to like, like power blast the PPMs like through the roof and go crazy with their products. So I mean, you buy more essentially or whatever, but my, my idea with growing quality cannabis is don't stress them out. Do it um, soil. Uh, I think soil tastes better. It doesn't mean you have to, but soil, I think soil is the best medium um, or like a sunshine four or a pro mix, cut that with 20% worm castings. That's my soil base. You can't burn worm castings, so don't worry about that. And then I would say, keep your PPMs using, uh, my, my go-to nutrient is age-old organics. They don't pay me or anything. I've run everything in the world and I'm back to age-old because I love it. I think it tastes the best. It brings out the best flavors in organics. They're cheap as shit. It's a simple A and B grow. Uh, it's a free plug for age-old. I love age-old organics. I still use them in my commercial grows and my home grows but I keep my PPMs under 1100 at all times. So I'll ramp it up to 11, but uh, you can read your plants when you see the newt burn and you can increase if you really want to from there. But as a baseline, let taste the plants, just literally grow them at a, under 1100 PPMs um, organically if you can. And uh, once you harvest them, taste the plants, see what's there. And then once you learn what the plant is, then you can ramp it up a little bit on food or something else to try to get more of the yield out of there. But I would say don't go crazy with a nutrient regimen. I think that's a rookie mistake too. Um, just, uh, some, just keep it simple, Stoner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I harp about overfeeding a lot. Um, now, what about like processing, harvesting? Uh, are you a you know hand trim kind of? Yep. You know, yeah, um, jar cures. So this is all relative to the size of what your operation. If you have a small home grow, uh, hand trim, please hand trim. You know, if you have a a massive operation where you got to pull a thousand plants a day. I get why you're using a commercial trimmer, but as far as dark horses operations, uh, we have a 4,000 square foot grow in Denver and it's not that massive. So, um, we hand trim everything. And when we harvest it, Colorado is different than every other place I've ever been. I had a store in Los Angeles for a while. We did LA and that was right by the ocean. And it was dramatically different when I started growing there and harvesting and curing, trying to get the bud to be similar to how it is in Colorado when I, where I've grown forever or even Montana where I've grown forever. But, um, our method for harvest is very simple. We hang dry it with, you know, all the families basically still on. We may pull off some of the large fans, but I'll, in Colorado, I'll dry it for about four to five days. I try to keep my humidity in between 40 and 60% in that room during the dry time. And then once it's snappable, we bring it down, shuck it down into five gallon buckets, um, and then bring it to our trim crew, which is a small crew of four or five guys, have them hand trim it. And yeah, we, we, we sell our herb for uh, top dollar in the state. So we do the best job we can with glass jars, curing it for three, four weeks before we let it out the door. So a lot of things that are missed in commercial cultivation is what we kind of focus on being a craft grower in Colorado. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's the only way really to stand out from the crowd, I think, too, is, you know, just have the quality. There's that... Budweiser's and there's microbrews and we intend to be a microbrew and a good one. Right. Well, um. I guess let people know uh, through social media how they can follow Dark Horse and, uh, you know, check out the podcast, check out, uh, you know, learn more about new strains that are coming out and, and all sure, that. Sure, appreciate it. Uh, probably the the most updated thing we do is our Instagram. So just follow us at Dark Horse Genetics, one word, Dark Horse Genetics um, on Instagram. You can check out our website at darkhorsegenetics.com. Um, we're on Twitch, which is Dark Horse underscore Genetics and YouTube, which is Dark Horse Space Genetics. So if you kind of just search our name out there and kind of find us, you'll find the, the, the podcast archive, if you will, on YouTube, as long as they keep it up for us. 
um, <laughs> over there. Um, if you want to do the live shows, we have some free stuff going out in the live shows. So the best way on that would probably be to watch on Twitch or YouTube, or we have a website dedicated for just our live shows called darkhorse.live. Um, if you want to check out uh, the seed catalog on, um, on the website, so that's where I point you and kind of to find the nearest drops for flower and everything, check out the website slash uh, Instagram. But yeah, we have a little bit of everything going on. So multiple divisions, multiple parts of the world. So yeah, uh, hang with me if you send me a DM or an email. There's, I try to get to them, but there's quite a few. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Shout out to our, our boy Caesar, who's yeah. been working with you forever. And uh, yeah, everybody check out Dark Horse Genetics on their Instagram, on their website. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks. And we'll be back. Very cool. Thank you, guys. Hey, everybody, the show is about growing. And if you want to grow your own, you want to get yourself a grow tent. And our friends at Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients are giving away an incredible home gardening kit. This is a full grow tent package with a grow tent, uh, sweet leaf nutrients, two LED lights, a fan, weather station, hangers, pots, everything you need to get started. And all you got to do is visit sweetleaf.com to enter their grow tent giveaway. Now it's sweet leaf, S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F, like the hotel suite. And it's sweetleaf.com. The contest ends on May 15th. So get your entry in there and enter to win this incredible, awesome indoor grow tent package from our sponsor, Sweet Leaf. All right, and we are back. And I believe this is the cultivation segment. It is the cultivation segment. And, uh, and some of our listeners, they may remember in the olden days, um, <laughs> we, we did a little thing where we, we highlighted uh, uh, some genetics that, that we really enjoyed, and, and we didn't do it um, with great regularity, so we called it Strain of the Fortnite, and, um, yeah. <laughs> and Dan and I were thinking, maybe, maybe we ought to bring Strain of the Fortnite back. It seemed to be a pretty popular segment. Yeah, it's, it started as Strain of the Week, and then we just got lazy. And I, I love the word Fortnite. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a video game back then. This was 2011 when we started up the show. Um, kind of influenced the, that whole thing. The past, the past show. Um, yeah, maybe. I, I mm-hmm. should get a cut of royalties. But yeah, strain of the Fortnite. At the time, Fortnite you know, was an old-timey phrase. But I guess now all the kids are down with Fortnite. So Yeah, it really went from an old-timey phrase to something that people much younger than us are saying <laughs> with great regularity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, without further ado, the strain of the fortnight, I'm going back to a classic. I think since we're starting up the show again, I think, you know, got to do some throwbacks. And this is a throwback that still hits hard. Okay, this is super silver haze. Um, It's available from greenhouse seeds. Uh, Also a version, I believe, from Mr. Nice, uh, Shanti Baba. Uh, it predates both of those companies. I believe it goes back to sort of the Neville days. Um, we're talking about like the eighties and you can tell by the, the lineage of it because um, the actual parentage is uh, Northern lights times Neville's haze crossed with skunk times Neville's haze. So you've got Neville's haze in both the parents. Uh, so obviously very, very hazy, but then you also have that NL NL five and the uh, skunk. And you know, those are basically three of the big, powerhouses of 
you know, the 80s going into the 90s. Uh, and really, a strain like this should really changed the way we smoke. It uh, got first place uh, in, in the High Times Cannabis Cup uh, way back in 1998, uh, also 99. Uh, then 2002, it placed uh, third. So it just, you know, keeps, and that was in the sativa category. Then uh, it comes back in 2007 and wins the Cannabis Cup again. So, you know, you have this decades-long sort of uh, reign over, you know, and pretty much every coffee shop you went into in Amsterdam back then would have some type of super silver haze, whether it was the right stuff or not, you never knew. Uh, but if you went to the greenhouse, you'd get that and, and certain other spots. Uh, and it really, you know, some people hate the hazes uh, for whatever reason, you know, they're, they're more into the gassy, you know, OGs or whatever, but um, this was one of those hazes that really just changed the game. Uh, we're actually, um, we're getting that, that, that clicking sound again. Some kind of interference is happening. Oh, yeah. You know what that is? I actually have raccoons that are in the uh, gutter outside my apartment. Uh, it's a metal gutter. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What? <laughs> they're not in my house. They're, uh, they're like on the outer gutter, and we've been dealing with them. We've been trying to get rid of them for a while now. Uh, You're being like, serious. Those are raccoons. Yeah, and they're not in my apartment. It sounds like they're like in my apartment. They're, it's a, they're in the metal gutter that's uh, on the outside, but it, because it's metal and they scratch around, uh, it's it doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> it, it sounds like you're in a bit of danger, to be completely honest. <laughs> I mean, one day they might fall through fall through the ceiling. Uh, it happens. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna happen from time to time. Uh, we've had people come over. We've had people try to trap them. Uh, we've tried to smoke them out. We've done a few, you know, and uh, yeah, they just, every year they kind of lay their babies here and then they go away and then they come back and it's kind of like a nesting spot for them. Oh, nice. It's nice for you to provide that, the raccoons. Yeah, maybe we'll put a picture up on my Instagram so people believe me because I have caught them, you know, in the act of climbing up and, and down. Uh-huh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back to the strain. I mean, people know Hayes, uh, you know, if you've smoked it, obviously, you know that, like, musky, kind of, uh, kelpy, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> hey. They sound angry. It's, it's not that they're just, they, they, they do fight. They fight a lot. Uh, I think it's over food or territory or who knows what. But anyway, who knows? uh yeah super silver haze you guys um it's got a pretty long flowering time of 10 weeks and uh but it's well worth the wait (laughs) the raccoons Uh, literally are clawing their way in to get the super silver haze yeah i think that you know we used that to try to sage them out of here one time and uh now, now they're addicted. Mm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Seems um, like uh, Dutch people really enjoy hazes. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, you know what it is? It's a great daytime smoke. And so if you're going to go into the coffee shop and have a smoke in the day and a cup of coffee or something, it's a perfect strain for that because, you know, you can go on with the rest of the day and, and, and get the things done that you need to get done. It's not like a, a crippling OG that just kind of like takes a couple of hours to wear off and, you know, it, it's, it's, 
it's up, up, you know, it's uplifting. It's electric. It's like, you know, it's a nice head high, you know, and like, you know, smoke a little bit of that, go out and take a walk in Vondel Park and, you know, check, check out the canals and stuff and go to a museum. You know, that's a real nice haze activity. Go to the Rijksmuseum and check out uh, some Rembrandts and some Vermeers and stuff. Um, you know, that's sort of, I, that's definitely one thing I miss about, uh, you know, the whole Dutch scene, uh, including Super Silver Haze. So that is the strain of the Fortnite. Our first one ever for uh, Grow Bud Yourself. So that's exciting. That's right. All right. Well, thank you for uh, the old school and dependable uh, Super Silver Haze as our strain of the Fortnite. Um, now is the time on the show where you usually uh, give the listeners a bit of grow advice. Um, what are you going to tell us about this week? Uh, I'd like to talk about environmental control. Environmental control. Um, Does that include raccoons <laughs> trying to get <laughs> into your home? If there are raccoons in your grow room, that is not a good... It's not good. That's not good. Uh, the, uh, these uh, raccoons are actually outside of house thank goodness <laughs> yeah. to clarify. Uh, but yeah i mean you need to control the environment and uh i i you know i see big grows usually get dialed this in because they understand you know you're gonna have you know 100 lights and you're gonna create a ton of heat and you're gonna burn off any kind of humidity that you're gonna have to add more humidity depending on where you are um and then i see small scale gardeners get this wrong because they just think oh I have a tent, you know, the light can't really be that hot, you know, the, the air can't really be that dry. And it is, it is too hot and too dry, uh, most likely, depending. I mean, some lights, maybe not, but um, temperature is very important for cannabis plants. And they really like to be somewhere between, you know, 70 to 80, not, you know, some plants don't even like 80. So you want to be closer to 70 than you are to 80, basically you know, for the most part. Different uh, times of, of life, it's, you know, a little bit different. They can handle a little more heat. If you're using CO2, you, you know, they can handle a little, a little bit more heat. Uh, you can let temperatures drop to 65 at night, uh, but you really don't want to have temperatures over 80. Uh, and so if heat is an issue, you have to find a way to lower it. Um, whether that be changing your lights, whether that be, uh, you know, improving on your exhaust fan sizes. And so you're pulling that hot air out, uh, whether that be installing air conditioning, uh, HVAC or something, you know, in the room opposite, you know, in the room that your tent is in to cool that room and thus cool the air going into that tent. Uh, regardless, you, you got to find a way to cool that space if it's consistently 80 or more. Uh, the other thing about environmental control is humidity. Uh, and this is another one that small scale farmers, you know, personal growers uh, tend to ignore uh, because they just don't, I don't think they think it's that important, but it actually is. Um, you want your humidity levels basically between 40 and 60%, uh, depending on the time uh, of growth. So when you're cloning, you can have it up to 70%. You know, if you're like, you know, you want high humidity levels when you're cloning. And even in those early seedling stages, you know, you, they can handle a little more humidity. Uh, once you're into the flowering, you know, or vegetative stage and flowering, you want that to be around 50%. So, you know, if you have high humidity, you got to bring it down. If you have low humidity, you have to bring it up. You know, there's humidifiers and there's dehumidifiers. And those are, you know, the tools of the trade for the small scale farmer. Larger scale farmers have, you know, big machines that they use. 
but this show isn't for them. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about that. Um, you need to get yourself a digital thermometer and a hygrometer. These are very cheap. And at, in this day and age, um, you know, they can connect right to your phone. You can check the temperatures and the humidity in your grow room uh, from, you know, miles away. Uh, and you should be able to, you should be monitoring it and you should have it set so that if it goes higher than you want it to, higher than 80 or lower than, you know, 60 or whatever it may be, it, that it can warn you and it can let you know because a lot of times these fluctuations happen when we're not in the grow room. Uh, and this is something that, you know, keeps the data uh, and sends you the data for those times when you're not in there. Um, another important thing is to circulate air. Uh, when the air gets used up around the leaf, uh, if the leaf's not moving and the air's not moving, the plant just shuts down. So uh, get us an oscillating fan that just circles around uh, and just keeps those leaves moving, keeps the airflow going. Because there's little microclimates there at leaf surface. Uh, and if that CO2 is depleted and used up at the leaf surface and there's no fresh air getting to that, that leaf and there's no uh, movement going on at all, it just shuts down because there's no nothing to fuel the photosynthesis that you're trying to fuel. Um, so think of all those things as chains, you know, uh, the light, the humidity, um, the carbon dioxide, you know, everything are chains in the link and if any one of them is bad, then you, your environmental controls are in a bad place. Um, and you need to change them because the plants will react in negative ways. All right. Very good. Um, thank you for, for risking your life to share that growth information with us. Um, okay. So, uh, we have now reached, uh, my favorite part of the show where we, um, answer listeners grow questions. And, uh, if you have a grow question that you'd like Dan to answer on this show, uh, you could reach us at our brand new fancy email address. That is info at GrowBud yourself. Um, we're also on Twitter. You're at Danny Danko. I forget yeah. what I am. I'm something. I, I keep changing my Twitter thing. So <laughs> I'll set on one and move on. Um, and then also, please uh, follow the show. We're um, at GrowBud yourself on Twitter. So give us a follow there. Um, and Instagram. Same on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. yeah. At, at GrowBud yourself. At okay. GrowBud yourself. So what do you say we, we dive right in here? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, first question. It comes from Bryn. Uh, Bryn writes, Hi, I'm from New Zealand. Glad your podcast is back. I have a question for Danny. I've got a small tent I keep inside, and I'm just using 250-watt HPS light. Um, I like to put my plants outside on sunny days. Does this stress plants uh, changing from artificial light to sunlight? Cheers for all you guys do. So, so what do you think uh, to Bryn? Can she move those plants back and forth? Yeah, she can. Um, the only thing she should be concerned about uh, is uh, basically, you know, the first couple of times you do it, you know, maybe do it on a day with some clouds in the sky so it's not just blaring sunshine because the plants aren't used to that and they need to acclimate to the, uh, you know, intensity of real sunlight if they've just been under artificial lighting. So uh, if you, you know, if you put them out, I would say the first you know, two or three days that you put them out should be either sort of overcast or cloudy days. Uh, and then they'll sort of acclimate a little better to the sunlight. Um, otherwise, they may have a, a, you know, a tendency to just burn and that's really no good. Um, so acclimate them to that. And otherwise, you know, 
you know, give them as much sunlight as you can, uh, shut down the lights due to during that time. So you're not wasting, you know, money on electricity and all that. And, uh, you might become an outdoor grower <laughs> eventually <laughs> once you realize, you know, that great big grow light in the sky is, is free. All right. Well, there you go, Bryn. We hope that helps. Uh, moving on to our next email. Uh, welcome back, Mike and Danny. Uh, thanks for all the love and outstanding work you both do for this beautiful plant. I first learned about your podcast 10 months ago. I've since been listening religiously uh, through all the episodes many times over, and I can't get enough. I tried listening in on other cannabis podcasts only to realize that they're only second best to you. Well, thank you. Um, oh. My <laughs> yeah. My relationship with cannabis started two years ago with two seeds. I was instructed to use the paper towel method to germinate. And sure enough, a few days later, both seeds were sprouted. I felt like a new father with no prior knowledge or experience. I was left alone to care for these two newborns, not knowing who to ask uh, or where to go for help. Every day that went by, I was fearful that I would kill the plants from lack of proper lighting. I live in San Francisco, and during the winter, we lack sunlight. I was able to find one 6,500K light bulb uh, that would, for now, keep my plants growing. I eventually bought a 600-watt Viper Spectra LED, and 14 months and a few hundred dollars later, I realized through your podcast I've purchased all the wrong equipment. <laughs> wow. So um, what are some low-heat-emitting lights that you would recommend uh, that can take you through both veg and flower for a 3 by 3 by Eight space. So, what do you think? That is from D O C G. Okay, great. Uh, thank you for the question, and thank you for the support and, and, and kind words too. That's awesome. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, the sixty five hundred K. That's just a, a that's a light bulb. Um, so that's not a good uh, grow light. But the Viper Spectra LED six hundred watt sounds like it might not be, I mean, I'd have to do a little more research, but that doesn't sound like uh, it couldn't be a decent light uh, unless it does emit too much heat for you. Uh, I would recommend a three by three by eight space, maybe a 400 watt. Uh, if, if, if that's too much heat, then a 250 watt. Uh, and I would recommend right now uh, the ceramic metal halides, CMHs. So, you know, within high intensity discharge lighting, there are, there's, you know, the popular ones we've always used over the years have been either been high pressure sodium uh, or metal halides, and both emit a lot of heat. Uh, but the new ceramic metal halides are much more efficient. They emit a lot less heat. You can use them through both veg and flour. Uh, and, you know, there's amazing ones out there. I mean, there's uh, air-cooled ones and, and, and double-ended uh, lights. But, I mean, for your space, I don't think you need anything that... Uh, that massive, but I would say either 250 or a 400 watt ceramic metal halide. Those are really, um, that's the lights that I would be using in, in a space that size uh, in a grow of my own. All right, very good. Uh, D-O-C-G, we hope uh, that helps you out there. And uh, thanks again for listening. So moving on, Alex Hayes writes, hi, Danny and Mike. Greetings from Thailand. Uh, I have been a fan of the show since Freeweed episode one and will continue to be for Grow Bud Yourself 2. I've been traveling for the past 10 years and I have experience growing auto in the UK. Now that I'm in Thailand, I have a chance to grow again and I was wondering about the possibility of doing it outdoors. We have uh, 
12 hours of daylight from March to September, but we also have really heavy tropical rains with precipitation 10 to 15 days a month. Do you think heavy rain and wind will affect the plants? How can I make sure that they will be okay? Well, thank you, Alex. Uh, Yes, heavy rain and wind will affect the plants. uh, And I think you need to protect them in one way or another, uh, either by building a greenhouse, uh, some type of structure uh, that will protect them from the heavy rain and wind because they will definitely be affected by that. Um, As far as growing in Thailand and you have that 12 daylight hours uh, and you're growing autos, I would say if you can, you could supplement the lighting up to 18 daylight hours. So you could add six hours to the 12 hours that you're getting of sun uh, and you'll definitely yield much more. So if you can supplement the lighting um, with autos, that's fine. With regular seeds, you want that 12 hours on and off um, to flower. So keep that in mind, but definitely protect your plants. Um, I mean, some people will just hang up some plastic and hope for the best, but I think you're better off really building something strong enough to handle the heavy rain and wind. All right. Very good. Thank you, Alex Hayes. And it's great to know that uh, people are listening all the way out in Thailand. So that's very cool. Um, all right. So we're, we're a little short on time. Why don't we do a couple more, but uh, we'll go into the lightning round here. Purple Ghost says, what would be the best way to crossbreed autos and select the best seed uh, to do auto-feminized breeding? Wow, uh, that's a pretty in-depth question. Um, and we, we will be having you know, breeders on to talk about autos and all of that. But I would say, you know, you need a great auto male and you need a great auto female, obviously. Um, the great auto male is hard to find. I mean, you can buy seeds of the females, but I, almost all the autos I know are feminized, so uh, it's hard to find an auto male. If you do, and then you breed that auto male to one of your favorite auto females, uh, then you will have you know, the seeds of that, but they won't be feminized. So if you want to get them to be feminized, then you have to do the work of uh, back crossing you know, and things like that. You can also uh, take an auto-feminized female and stress that plant out into hermaphroditing, use the pollen from that and uh, make yourself auto-feminized plants. But again, you know, these are things that really should be left to the experts that understand breeding. All right. Uh, Thank you very much, Purple Ghost. We hope that uh, helps you a little bit. I'm sure we'll cover some of that in greater detail down the road. Uh, Let's do one more. This comes from um, Christian who writes, how do I get Danny Danko's books signed? Hmm. (laughs) Uh, Well, in the past, you know, you could see me at events and things like that. (laughs) Uh, Now it's kind of an eBay thing. Uh, Every once in a while, I'll I'll put five or six books up on eBay. And if you you buy them there from me, which is Dan Semi on eBay, D-A-N-S-E-M-Y, if you buy them from me, you have the option of putting in the notes of the purchase, hey, Danny, you know, please sign this to Christian. And, uh, and then I can do that. You can do that either in eBay or even in PayPal when you pay, as long as there's a note there. And people have done that. Um, so yeah, check eBay. Actually, you can get a signed book by becoming a heady chief on our Patreon page, the heady chief category. There's a bunch of different categories there, uh, or four different categories. 
um, starting at $4.20 up to the $42 level. And the $42 level gets you a signed book. So there's another way. All right. Very good. Uh, thank you to everybody who um, sent a question. If you have a question for Dan or any of the hundreds of raccoons that are furiously trying to break into his home at any given time, uh, you, know, you should send an email to info at grow bud yourself. And also please do follow the show on uh, socials on Twitter and Instagram. We are at grow bud yourself. Uh, what do you say? We take a little break, come back and wrap it up. Let's do it. Hey guys, Grow Bud Yourself is supported by Canada's cannabis lawyer, Jack Lloyd. If you're in need of cannabis legal advice, contact Jack Lloyd at his Twitter at Jack Lloyd Lawyer or info at LloydLawCorporation.ca. That's info at Lloyd, L-L-O-Y-D, LawCorporation.ca. And it's Jack Lloyd Lawyer on Twitter. He is Canada's cannabis lawyer. Check him out. All right. I think we are wrapping it up at this point, right? Like episode two in, in a wrap. Yes, we've done two episodes of Grow Bud Yourself. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. I want to thank uh, John and Megan at Sweetleaf, uh, Jack Lloyd, uh, Vapor.com, Jacques and Winstrong for the theme song. Of course, Jason and Caesar from Dark Horse Genetics. Um, and I want to make a couple of Patreon shout outs uh, to some heady chiefs who like, went the distance with the $42 a month uh, Patreon uh, support, which is crazy and incredible. And we really, truly appreciate it. Um, Daryl Stavros, our friend from Third Coast in Michigan, uh, and Robert from the Hub Collective uh, in Wisconsin. You can check them out. At THC Wisconsin is their handle uh, on social media. So check them out. They're really, they're fighting the good fight in Wisconsin. And uh, yeah, thank you, Robert. Thank you, Daryl. Thanks, everybody who supports us. It's an independent project. We love you guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. We really appreciate it. And actually, you know what? Speaking of Patreon, uh, we had this idea. We, we have, you know, after almost two decades of working for High Times, we've accumulated way more cannabis stuff than we actually need in our lives. So we have a bunch of great, great stuff to give away. And we were thinking that we would draw on our Patreon crowd to give this stuff away. So what we want to do is pick a Patreon member to be on the show. We will Zoom you and give you a little quiz show. And if you do well, you're going to win some prizes. We're going to give you free stuff. So if you're a Patreon member of this show or if you want to become one and sign up and, and pledge or whatever you do on, on Patreon, just comment on this episode in Patreon and you will be eligible to be part of the Grow Bud Yourself quiz show. Yeah, we have some incredible prizes. I mean, I got like magical butter machines and things I've accumulated over the years. Like good stuff. We're not talking about old, old t-shirts that we don't want. No, no, like incredible stuff. So good value. Check us out on Patreon. We really think that's a great way to support the show. And that's really where we want, uh, where we want to interact with our community and our listeners and our, our friends and and fam. So check us out. It's patreon.com slash Danny Danko. All right, there you go. So, so two down. You know, we met the yeah. raccoons today. That was nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, they might come back. Who knows, you know. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's a wrap, I think. I think we can wrap it up. Let's wrap. We, we did. We've wrapped it up. Well, you know what we used to say? 
Uh, put, it, put it in the books. Oh, yes. Uh, Dan, would you like to put it in the books? Yes, let's put it in the books. Mm-hmm.